Welcome, 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 welcome to the Educated Food Podcast. I am the Educated Food, Dr. Jeffrey Alexander Jr. Welcome back. If this is your first time listening to the pod, I appreciate your time. Your return listener, I really appreciate your time because you came back. Before I start this week's pod, I want to talk a little bit. Really about the direction I would like to go with this podcast. Each week, follow me on Instagram because each week I'm going to be presenting a topic for the listeners to participate in. See, in addition to interviewing people about topics that I would like to learn more about, I do just want to engage in some conversations about everyday things that we encounter, what's going on in the world, and hearing your feedback, hearing your thoughts, hearing your opinions as well as me commenting on those things and giving my thoughts and my opinions. So the way to do that is to follow me on Instagram, Educated Food Podcast, where you can find me. You also can email me at educatedfoodpodcast at gmail.com with topics that you would like to learn more about and hear me interview somebody about that said topic. Now, let's get into this week's episode where I try to learn more about the Afro- black latinx community as i am raising a black skin myself i want to learn more i want to be a better father to my daughter and i want to try to understand what she will experience so i can help guide her the best i can so i hope you enjoy sit back and listen to the first part of a series of events around this topic see you can't talk to just one person and say you get the Afro-Latinx experience. I need to talk to a couple people, a couple different experiences that they have lived through as they went through their own identity development. So this is the first. A good friend, Jessica Fred. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Jessica, how's it going? Good, how are you doing, Jeff? I am well, tired. (laughs) Going back to work right after the break is not a good idea most of the time oh my gosh I, I snooze like 10 times every morning these last couple of mornings it's been I mean good thing I'm able to work from home so I can kind of slowly transition to, into my day but it's rough <laughs> yeah it's you know I, I get back and there's just so many emails from mm-hmm. students who are upset that I was on vacation and how dare I not respond to their emails immediately <laughs> during the holidays during the holidays <laughs> with my away message telling you when i'm gonna be back and when i'm going to respond <laughs> I know. it's funny sometimes i'll get messages from students that it'll um they'll write me like on a friday at like 6 p.m and then monday morning they'll be like i wrote you two days ago three days ago and i'm like yeah when the office was closed <laughs> All right, like I don't work on weekends. I don't work after five. So you're gonna get this response maybe on Wednesday to be perfectly honest, because my boss and all those are more important. So funny. <laughs> yeah, students students are funny. They they really are. Um so what uh let's introduce yourself a little bit. Um tell the people, the listeners a little about yourself, who you are. And then we'll dive into why I have you on the show. 
For sure. Um, so my name is Jessica Fred. I am an educator. I work in higher education. That's actually how I met you, Jeff. Um, you know, we, we worked at the same place. Um, I am passionate about health and fitness, um, social justice. I would consider myself spiritual. Um, got some crystals and stuff. <laughs> um, and um, I enjoy learning. I, I would say part of me being an educator is me also learning every day, um, being part of the learning process, um, along with the people that I'm also I'm educating as well. Um, I come from a big family, love all of them. Um, I like to explore life. I guess that's a little bit about me. Dope. So I have you on the show today to talk a little bit about identity um, and particularly um, more specifically, I should say, um, you know, the Afro black Latina Latino Latinx community. And obviously the the thing that sparked this interest for me, honestly, is my daughter, um, Mm -hmm. because I am now raising the Afro Latina um, or like I, you know, I call her a black second, but, um, <laughs> but just really everything that we've been doing, the books that we buy, um, trying to raise her, um, bilingual, it just really made me start diving into, to this idea of Afro Latino or Afro, Afro Latinx, because growing up, there's there was a big divide, you know, growing mm-hmm. up in South Central LA and Compton between the black and brown community. Um, I think I've shared stories with you before about like mm-hmm. high school, right? Well, you know, zero period or first period, we cheating off each other's work, laughing and kicking, and then lunch comes around. There's a race ride and like we're fighting each other. It's like, dog, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. you just copied my homework. <laughs> um, but and actually marrying a Mexican is something I never thought I would do but now that I did now I have this daughter who's half Mexican it, it really just makes me try to explore you know what that what growing up for her was going to look like and what that identity development and mm-hmm. you know I thought of you um as a as a person to, to kind of interview because you you've explored your identity um a lot since we've met mm-hmm. and I'm gonna guess it's kind of morphed and changed since the time that we've met. <laughs> um, yes. um, I've seen you kind of grow into this identity, which is really a really uh, a really cool experience for me to see. Um, but for the listeners, um, how would you, you know, how do you, how do you identify? Do you identify as Afro Latina or Black Latina? And how would you define, you know, that identity? Mm-hmm. So I am Puerto Rican and Dominican, um, and I do identify as Afro-Latina. I would also say that I'm a black Latina. I would also just say that I'm black. I think that, um, I think the reason for that is because of my ancestry, um, and for me, like, blackness not being so monolithic in a lot of ways the way we, we we've chosen to see blackness in the united states specifically um but i i do i, I think um like you said i've been kind of exploring my own identity for a long time i grew up in a very puerto rican home i would say my dominican identity kind of came in a little later um as i was kind of like learning about um my father and and um he wasn't active in my life but as I was learning more about him and um and kind of embracing being Dominican um as I continued learning about my ancestry it was kind of like oh you know like I am the descendant of 
you know, um, indigenous folks, um, black people, like, you know, enslaved Africans and, um, and, you know, colonizers, Spanish people. Uh, and so, you know, digging deeper into all of those identities in different ways and kind of understanding my privilege within all of those identities, but also, you know, just the different facets of that. And also, you know, being Puerto Rican Dominican, I'm also Caribbean, which there's a lot of like African influence in um, Caribbean culture as well. So you you say you've you know you've been exploring your identity for quite some time now. Um, when did you? I guess you can estimate or guess. Um, when did you start like identifying yourself as you know like you know black or you know Afro Latina? Yeah, um, I think for sure in college is when I started kind of exploring Dominican culture more. Um, but I would say as far as like understanding my race as black probably came later in my adult years. I think it was just after um, meeting other um, Latinx folks who are black um, and understanding kind of like the diaspora more and learning more about the diaspora. Like I think I think that's probably the, the big one is, I didn't even know the term <laughs> diaspora until probably a good maybe 10 years ago. And as I was learning more about that, I was like, oh, I'm, I fit within this, you know, this African diaspora, and this is how, and this is why. Um, and then since then, just learning more about it. I mean, obviously, I didn't, I didn't call myself an Afro-Latina until recently because I didn't have those words until recently. Um, I would say that came, you know, when that term, I started seeing that term in the media more with like more celebrities and, and people using that terminology. Before, I was just like, my race is black and I'm also Latina. Like that's kind of how I visualized it. And I think when you and I first met, I, I was very open and clear about that. And then now I'm like, oh, like being a black Latina or being Afro-Latina, that makes sense to me too. Yeah, like when, when we first met, I didn't, you know, I never even asked. I was like, yo, I can, she, she looks black, so she's black, right? <laughs> um, I, I learned very early on just you know to not even ask that question because it's a weird question to ask mm -hmm. I remember I interviewed uh, DJ Drama actually um, and that's when I realized like you almost stop asking people what are you <laughs> um, because it's, just, it's a weird question to ask somebody like yo what are you mm -hmm. right um, so when I when we met I was like I'm pretty sure she's black mixed with something I'm just gonna leave it at that mm -hmm. and you know as our relationship develop, I'll eventually learn more about, you know, who she is. Um, so with my experience with you, right, once again, I said, as soon as I saw you, I was like, yo, she's black, she's mixed with something, and we'll see what that is. How was, like, growing up, and did you have to, you know, battle those identities or, or choose an identity? Um, not choose because we didn't really talk about blackness a lot in my house and even even today when I think about conversations I have with people within my family that are in my generation versus older generations you see kind of a divide like I, I would say some of the older people in my family would never subscribe to this they would be like no 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 we are not black that's something else um while a lot of my a lot of people in my age in my family they're like oh yeah like that makes sense and I think part of that is them kind of exploring their own um you know their own identities too but not all of them there are people that are my age and my family that are very much still like no we're not 
I've, I even had someone, you know, the other day tell me, like, we're actually European. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's cute. Um, but um, I would say, you know, growing up, there, was, there were definitely messages of anti-blackness. Um, and I think part of that is, you know, the way we're socialized as Latinx people, right? And I think part of that is part of our survival. Like, growing, like if you think about centuries before when you know, even here in the United States, right, skin color, um, being lighter skinned gave you a lot more privilege, um, even today, but I would say, especially for enslaved people, it gave you a lot more privilege in some ways, right? Um, I, I think that it's a survival tactic to say, I'm not one of them. And so I think that that's what a lot of Latinx people have done over many, many years is say, no, 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 I'm different. And even like in Mexican culture, you see, you hear the words like mestizo and um, and things like that. Like it's, it's new ways to char characterize you so that you won't be seen or characterized as black. And so I did hear a lot of anti-black messages like you should straighten your hair and um, you know, don't be in the sun for too long or you're gonna, you know, you're gonna, you're, you know, your skin's gonna turn black or um, even things about certain features that certain people in my family had, people would talk about um, negatively if they were seen as features that were more, I guess, seen on black people um so no one ever like blatantly said anything like wild but and uh, and obviously growing up i didn't know these were anti-black messages it's now as someone who you know like can can view language and see that it's biased um now i'm like ooh, like th these are messages that i grew up with yeah and that was the thing that when you know this language was first introduced to me, right? You know, Afro Latinx or Black Latinx. I mean, I grew up and I was like, they competed with each other. Mm -hmm. So, and all I've ever known until, you know, I got married to a Mexican was the anti-blackness within that community. Mm -hmm. um, so when the term came across, I was like, how does that work? And once again, another reason for, you know, reaching out and wanting to speak to, to those in the community and their experiences, because um, I, I do know of a lot of people who speak of that anti-blackness, um, trying to separate themselves from darker skinned. I mean, mm -hmm. it's even in our own community as black people. Oh, true. <laughs> um, it's it's anti-blackness. So I know that experience was a little bit different and I was really interested in it. Um, how did how did like growing up in you know your neighborhood with friends school um was your identity um ever like you know put on the forefront or something that you always had to think about sometimes i mean when i was from birth till age seven we lived in new york and we lived in in harlem so harlem is a very like mixed place right like it's new york um in my neighborhood i remember there were only like latinx and black people um and i say that intentionally as like two separate cultures um and um and so we a lot of us looked alike and and i would say that we lived pretty cohesively um on the street and in, in in the neighborhood after that though from you know seven really through college and you know through college i would say um I was always in like predominantly white neighborhoods. So I will say that um, that was interesting in, in that I didn't, one, I didn't realize how different I was until I left New York because everyone else kind of looked like me. But also um, 
I, I think that was like the first time I had ever realized how other people view me. And I think that there are many times growing up that people would be like, like, you know, remember at that time I, I didn't identify as black at all. I was just like a Hispanic person. That's how I would have characterized myself. And I would have called myself Puerto Rican. So, um, a lot of people would be like, oh, well, you're too dark to be Puerto Rican or, um, are you really? So I always felt like I had to prove my Latinx um, culture to people. So I'd be like, oh, can you speak Spanish? Um, which is also an interesting thing that people like to ask because one, just because you speak or don't speak a language doesn't mean you couldn't identify within that. But two, um, Spanish is, you know, the language of the colonizer too. So I, I think about that and I'm just like, you know, you really want me to speak this. And, you know, I did grow up speaking Spanish. We don't speak Spanish heavily at home, but I did learn both languages at the same time. Um, so like having to prove that to people and I would, because when you're a kid, you, you don't really think about like, I don't have to answer you, you know, I don't have to answer you, or this is a ridiculous question. You're just like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll comply. Um, now I, I dig a little deeper if people ask, um, I'll, I'll, you know, kind of explain. And even in college, I was a little more sassy with it, but, um, so yeah, things like that, I would say I remember is, is just having to explain who I was and maybe why I was darker and and sometimes I remember as a kid just being like well my grandpa's black because my grandpa was a dark man like darker than me that's for sure um and so I was just like well I don't know like my my grandpa's my grandpa's black and he's from he's straight from the island is what I used to tell tell people (laughs) um so I don't know how to explain it because I didn't have the words for it languages uh, an interesting thing to me and it's funny how you mentioned it because it was a question I wanted to ask because we're we're really trying and we really want to raise our daughter bilingual we want her to be mm-hmm. able to speak Spanish and because I know from those in the community who don't speak Spanish they always feel like they lost a bit of you know their culture or themselves mm-hmm. um, but I never thought to the point of like making someone prove their identity by making them prove that they actually know the language and speak it. So that was a you know a really great eye-opening thing for me. So I might not even ask people anymore, do they speak Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just let it come out if they do. Um, I mean, well, it's not like I speak Spanish fluently either, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Well, also, um, thinking about it too, I am the second generation born here. So my mom came so i i would say in in like when you think about carmen for example like carmen would be like my mom in in a lot of ways like the first one um you know who and and carmen's a little different because she's also like biracial so Mm -hmm. um but like my mom learned both english and spanish at this at um well she learned spanish first and then she learned english when she started school and then she was able to bring english home so um so her primary language for a long time was Spanish, while me, by the time like I was born and stuff, English was pretty prevalent in the house because all of my all of my aunts and my mom went to school, um, all my cousins, because I'm kind of in the middle with the cousins, all my cousins had gone to school, so English was more prevalent, so I speak much better English than probably my mom did when she was like four or five. So I also think that's important to point out is generation and where you are in your your family um, tree and lineage. Um, Because obviously, if you're a kid whose parents are immigrants, you're going to be speaking a lot of that language because you're also helping your parents a lot, which I never had to do. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, in our household, if it wasn't for Giovanni, there wouldn't be any Spanish in the household, <laughs> right? Um, so she has to make a concerted effort to make sure she's engaging Carmen in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very intentional. It's very intentional. I mean, I do like a Rosetta Stone lesson once every month. <laughs> so, or a, a Spanish, or what is it, Duolingo? Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm no help I'm zero help but um, it is it's very important for me for for Carmen to be able to keep um, as much uh, of her culture as possible. Um, that's why her middle name is Lopez, right? I gave her her um, Giovanni's you know maiden name um, mm-hmm. because I want her to be able to keep as much of her culture and not lose it. Even mm-hmm. though eventually she might lose my last name, she'll always have Lopez. Mm-hmm. Um, before we before we sign off here, um, one thing I wanted to give the people that I'm speaking with the opportunity to do is to kind of explain, or how would you explain if people don't recognize or understand about the experience of you know someone growing up Afro or Black Latinx, um, that experience that identity development because this could be you know someone could be listening who's going through their own you know initial stages of their identity development so what would you tell that person well this is a good one i it's hard it's hard because i think that and i see this a lot with my students too the way we look at blackness is very american which makes sense we live in the united states but it's it's a very american thing so when we think about blackness we think about african americans which just to be clear, I do not identify as African-American, and I think that's an important distinction because I do think it's a different experience um, in this country, which I could talk about for a really long time. We don't have to do that now, but um, but it is a different experience, and I think that, um, I, I think that, you know, I, I say that, and, and this is important to me, I say that because I do think that I've gotten this as an adult before, like, it's interesting that you want to identify as black now because it's trendy or things like that, which I find fascinating. Um, and I'm just like, well, no, that's that's not what's happening here. And I, I don't think people understand how identity develops over time because of knowledge and because of experiences. Um, and so I could understand how that could be someone's experience, especially when you think about in the last few years, have we've seen people impersonating, um, you know, black people and, and things like that? But that's not what this is at all. I I think, you know, it is important for Latinx folks who are black to also identify their privileges within that identity. Me, you know, me being ethnically ambiguous to many people is a privilege, you know, and and I have like a medium skin tone, like that's a privilege. So I think that's important to note too. Is like. Um, it, it's one black experience, not the black experience, and, and really helping people to understand that um, that you know blackness is not monolithic, right? There's this huge diaspora, and there's black people in almost every country in the world. But because of the way we've been socialized over many, many years, there's been this erasure of blackness in many, many cultures. Um, which creates those questions that I shared with you of are you are you really 
Latinx? Are you really Hispanic? Are you really this? Because when you look on the Spanish channel, for example, you don't see women that look like me. You don't really see people that look like me at all. And if you were to, which I've seen very few, but if you were to, you know, they're typically seen as like the help or dumb people. You know, it's very similar to like American black TV um, over the years. I think these days it's much better. Um, I, I definitely see better representation these years. But I, I do remember like, you know, seeing shows from like the 70s and 80s and the way they depicted black people. So it's, it's very similar to that even today in Latinx culture. And I think it's important for people to to know that, that like, if someone says that they're, you know, Latinx, they could look so many different types of ways, like, you know, and um, and just to kind of learn more about culture in general. I think that um, there's so many things out there hidden. And, and you know, I recently read the book, um, and I'm probably going to butcher the name, so I apologize, uh, An African-American and Latinx History of the United States, which mm-hmm. is pretty much like a history textbook, but it talks a lot about um, how like how different movements over time have happened with both communities and a lot of them were very similar they happened at the same time and it was a lot of um like synergy and collaboration but we don't ever talk about that and i think that that has contributed to what you were talking about like with communities in in certain areas not getting along because for so many so many years we've been seen as like different and even adversarial when that it's not that has not always been the case and is not the case yeah i mean growing up it was always confusing to me because i'm like yo mm-hmm. we both live in the hood mm-hmm. we both mm-hmm. got nothing we both fighting for the same thing so why are we fighting each other uh well we should probably be trying to you know uplift one another and kind of get out mm-hmm. of our circumstances so i mean it's, it's always been interesting um that you know black and brown dilemma um and once again even you know even marrying you know a mexican and marrying into the brown um just i remember early on in our relationship just the looks we would get i mean we still get looks but that's just Mm -hmm. because where we live now is just completely different Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but you know it's just one of those things that that always struck me um Giovanni read that book she was in a book circle with that book mm-hmm. and, and got the opportunity to sit in on a listening session or a Q&A with the author um, so I kind of was ear hustling a little bit because I didn't read mm-hmm. the book but I was wanted to know you know his background and what made him write the book and all his experiences the people he got to talk to as he was writing the book um, I always say I'm gonna read it so I'm gonna add that to the list so I do want to thank you for joining me and we could definitely talk about, you know, the difference between um, the diaspora. Um, I had to make that distinction when I was writing my dissertation um, mm-hmm. because people were like, why don't you look at, you know, all of. So my dissertation was looking at um, African-American men who grew up in gang communities and how does that impact their aspirations to go to college? Um, and I have to make the distinction that I was looking at African, African-American men um, mm-hmm. because their experience is very different than, you know, a um, first or second generation, you know, immigrant black student, right, from Nigeria mm-hmm. or Africa. Like their experiences are different. Um, their college going rates are different. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't look at just black students because <laughs> they're all they're not the same. Um, they have different experiences, different lived experiences, different expectations. Um, so, yeah, we could talk about that another day. But thank you again. I really do appreciate it. Um, thanks for having me. And thanks for 
talking about this topic. I, I know that, um, you know, some people like to talk about it, some people don't, some people don't even know about it. So I appreciate the opportunity to share my own experience with it. Oh, for sure. And then, you know, hopefully this this vaccine gets out sooner than later and, you know, we can meet up again one day. I can't wait so I could hug that beautiful little baby of yours. Uh, she ain't all that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of, like I said, a series of interviews that I'm going to do with people in the Afro Black Latinx community to understand their experience, to help me understand, but also help you understand their experience. So until next time, follow me on Instagram. Like I said, the Educated Food Podcast. Send me an email on topics you would like to hear. Educatedfoodpodcast at gmail.com. Share it out. And until next time, stay safe.